Father, um, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that it's consistent. That's what we're saying. It's, it's really all the time, whether we feel it or not, or whether we're really in the middle of it and we're just like basking in the glow of it all, uh, we, we, just, we just confess you are so, so good in your character, in your actions to us. Thank you. Thank you. Father, as we turn our attention to your word today, may we again see how good you are to give us directions for dealing with uh, an emotion that so easily entangles us. Help us untangle it. Help us unpack what's going on when we get jealous. Help us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a number of years ago, I was in high school, and I remember when they first released the very first Toy Story movie. Do you remember that? Toy Story? Years ago? Now they have a Toy Story 3 that came out a few years ago. And I remember watching it, and, and I'm, I'm totally the kind of guy that I should be cheering for uh, the character of Woody all the way, because he's a cowboy, you know, and I grew up playing with cowboys. I mean, I had that sort of thing, but at some point in the movie, kind of everything changes for Woody. They introduce a new toy, Buzz Lightyear, and Woody's whole demeanor changes. I'd like you to see the video, about two minutes. Re- revisit it, relive it, okay? Are we good? You just you just keep watching it, right? I know, I know. 
Sorry. <laughs> Strange things are happening to us, aren't they? You know, everything's fine. And then there's that person, and, and that person does something, or they're amazing at something, and... and Strange things happen to us. We feel this jealousy. It just comes on us. Maybe we feel like we lost a friend the, may, the way uh, Andy starts to love uh, Buzz more than Woody. And then it ends up where uh, Woody somehow kicks Buzz out the window into the yard, right? You remember that part? And I'm suddenly thinking, Woody's not so much of a likable character at this point. You know, He's not like your hero anymore. He's like your villain. He kicked his friend out the window, right? So he could, he could be the sole focus in the toy room. And, and that's what happens to us. These strange things come on us, and we act out in really bizarre ways. Wait, ways that God, it's like, what are you thinking? But, but yeah, it, it's jealousy. That's what we're talking about this morning. I've given you a definition of jealousy uh, given by a Christian monk. We can get that uh, on the on the screen behind me here. Um, if Toy Story didn't work to explain the whole thing, maybe this will. Uh, Evagrius Ponticus, Christian monk in, uh, in, in 345 to 399 AD, those were his times, said, Jealousy is the garment of pride, the disrobing of humility, the root of slander, the coveting of cheerfulness, the feigning of friendship, treachery and confidence, Hatred of love, envy of people highly esteemed, tumult of the steadfast, disparagement of the famous, alteration of the eyes, friend of curiosity. Man! (laughs) There's something in there for everyone, isn't there? (laughs) There's something for each of us. There's something for me in there. And there it is. Jealousy. Whether you want to chalk it up to being like Woody or uh, take this amazing definition from Evagrius Ponticus, jealousy is an ugly thing. And it's probably, I don't know how it is with you, but it's not an emotion that I like to discuss with people. You know, pride's a lot easier to say because pride is kind of like, I'm so great, so of course I get prideful, you know? Like that's one of those like, fun things to say about yourself. Even though you know it's a sin, it kind of makes you sound better anyway. But jealousy never makes you sound very good. You know, jealousy is kind of like, I feel less than and I'm jealous of this person and they're so great. You just don't want to say that. But you better believe it's going to come out in some way, whether you talk about it or not. So I want to look at a passage in the Bible. I invite you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. This is... Right after David kills Goliath. You all know that story, right? David, the young guy, he's not a soldier, but he finds out about this guy Goliath that's like taunting Israel, and he's like, you know, someone's got to take care of that guy, you know, and he walks up, takes some stones, puts it in his sling, off he goes, hits the giant in the forehead and kills him. We all know that Sunday school story. This is the chapter after. Okay, this is, this is the aftermath of Goliath. You're on the mountaintop. You just killed the giant. Now you've got to deal with this. 1 Samuel 18. Maybe I should turn there too. I'll find it. All right. 1 Samuel 18. After David had finished talking with Saul, 
Jonathan, that would be Saul, King Saul's son, became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Whatever Saul sent him to do, David did so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. We'll pause there. So David just killed the giant, and now he's got a military duty, and he's got all this success coming at him. In the meantime, he becomes friends with Jonathan, which is King Saul's son. That would make Jonathan the prince, the next in line for the throne. And David becomes friends with this guy. Now in a moment, you're going to see how jealous jealous King Saul is. But interesting that chapter 18 starts with Jonathan. And Jonathan, shockingly enough, is not jealous at all. that, That ought to be the thing that really jumps out at us. You've got a friendship with David and Jonathan, and Jonathan gives David his robe. He gives him his sword, a symbol of victory. He, he's saying, I'm giving you these things that, that, that make me esteemed and honored. I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to honor you above myself because I love you like a brother. We are one in soul. And, and that's very true because Jonathan was also a warrior just like David. I mean, we're not going to go there, but you could read about Jonathan's exploits. You could read about how he took on a whole company of Philistines and, and beat them all. It was just him and his armor bearer, and he won, and he, and he gave God glory for that victory. Jonathan had a heart like David's. He was a warrior who trusted the Lord to win battles, and he won. And so he's connected to David, honoring him above himself. What do we see here as a cure for jealousy? I mean, I'm not saying Jonathan was even jealous of David. I'm just saying what he did was beautiful, and it shows that he didn't have jealousy to David. I mean, Saul is going to be worried in a couple verses that David wants his throne. Saul's worried David wants to be king, and yes, he's been anointed as the next king secretly. Jonathan, you don't see a speck of that. You don't see any of this David is a rival. None of it. He's becoming more popular and lit. Jonathan doesn't care. And he says, I'm just going to keep on piling on the honor. What's the lesson for us with jealousy here? The first word here is honor. Honor. Let's esteem others more than ourselves. Let's exalt people. The people that you're jealous of, you ought to go out of your way to exalt them, to honor them to pay a compliment to them. I remember uh, just a few short years ago, I, I would meet with the uh, pastors in the free church districts. Uh, like every month we'd sit down, we'd pray together, talk about ministry. And there was a guy there that I've known for many years. He's a pastor doing very similar things to what I was doing in ministry. And I would just watch at these pastor meetings how people complimented him, talked to him, we go to the, the free church conferences and he would somehow be on the stage sharing about the great things he was doing. And I was thinking, I'm doing some of the exact same things you're doing. And, and, and it's really hard for me right now, actually, with what I'm doing. 
but why is everyone focusing on you? Why, why are people, why is everybody saying, pray for this guy, he's doing these amazing works, when I'm doing some of the same things and no one's noticing it? Isn't that how jealousy works? You're no better than me. Everyone's recognizing you. That's not fair. And uh, Chrissy can testify to this. I remember uh, telling her some months, I didn't even want to get together with the pastors. I was like, just, I'm just going to stay home. Now, I ended up going. I'd forced myself to go. But th- there was months where I was just like, I just, I just come back depressed from those meetings because <laughs> I don't want to hear it anymore. And I know the turnaround for me happened when I finally went up to him, asked him how ministry's going, talked to him, complimented him, tell him I think he's doing a great job, because I did think he was doing a great job. And even though, even though I know there was still jealousy there, I know it started to break when I did that. I know it started to break. And so... I wish I could just tell my heart what to feel. You know, heart, you will not be jealous of this guy anymore. I, I wish it was that easy. But it seems like I've got to do something to break the emotions of my heart. And when you compliment someone, when you exalt someone, and I hope that it's genuine. I mean, if you're totally faking it, if it's like one of those, uh, you know, when you talk to your kids and you say, say sorry to your brother, sorry. <laughs> you might as well not have said it. You know, you're adding insult to injury. Sorry. Say it nicer. Sorry. (laughs) Without the head shake. With a smile. Sorry. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It's like that. So so don't do that. You got it. You got it. At some level, you have to mean it. Otherwise, it sounds worse than ever, and you're just gonna. It's just gonna be worse for you. But. Forcing yourself to do the job is not a bad thing. Exalt people. And maybe, just maybe, you'll make a friend. And maybe it'll be like a soul sister or brother, like David and Jonathan were like soul brothers. One in spirit, the Bible calls them. Honor people. By the way, that's Romans 12.10. This isn't rocket science. Romans 12 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. This is who we are. We honor people, especially those we have a hard time with. All right, let's read verses 6 through 9. Here's where we get Saul's reaction. You see Jonathan's reaction to the killing of Goliath? Here's Saul's reaction. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine... The women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul, with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, with tambourines and lutes. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They've credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. What's going on here? Well, first of all, I see a little bit of exaggeration. These ladies, they're just laying it on thick, aren't they? Man, you ladies never do that. Um, 
Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Well, actually, he killed a giant. So, let's just make it clear. And I know Saul's probably doing the math, right? No, I have killed more people than him. I really have. And that's something to like be boastful about. I've killed a lot of guys. <laughs> that's what we all want to be known for, right? <laughs> I'm a killer. No, uh, but, but it, it's like comparing warriors. Who's the greatest warrior in Israel? David. David. And, and I don't even think the ladies probably meant anything bad by it. I, I think the ladies that are dancing, I don't think they're really like, let's add it up. I, I, I don't think they're doing that. I think it's really just they're singing a song, they're celebrating a victory, and it just made sense to do it like this because you're singing about David last because he actually killed the giant, you know? So you just kind of, it, it, it's not a personal thing, but Saul took it personally. Have you heard the praise of other people and thought, I know I'm better than them? Th- that, that's what stirs up your soul. And then, and then you get to the point where you're like Saul, and it says from that time on, verse 9, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. He kept a jealous eye on David. It's like he's, he's watching to see how well David does. Is he going to succeed here, there? I know what's going on. So let's say this. If you're going to cure jealousy, number two, uh, the next one is hunger. Don't feed the beast. Don't feed the beast. Don't check up on people. Don't keep track of what that person's doing. Do you know what Facebook is good for? Jealousy. (laughs) I see what they're doing. I see who they're with. I see the fun they're having. I see how great things are for them. I've seen the pictures. I can't get my family to smile like that in a picture. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, Whatever it is, whatever it is, I know what they're doing. At work, I sit close to them to hear what they're doing in their life, so I kind of hear what's going on. I keep up with the gossip. What's going on with him? What's he up to? But you're not asking so that you can celebrate them. You're asking because it feeds something in you. You know what I mean? You can even be hearing good things. Tell me the good things that's going on in their life. But the only reason you want to hear those good things is because it feeds that thing in you. Wherever that thing is where you're like, they don't deserve that. All those good things I hear, they don't deserve them. You need to starve that thing. Yes, maybe that means unfriending a few folks, (laughs) right? Maybe it means not keeping up with certain people. Doesn't it, doesn't that, this kind of makes me think, you know, isn't this what drives tabloids, you know, right? Those stars that have it all, they're rich, they're famous, they're beautiful, and they're so messed up, and I can't wait to read about it. You're feeding the beast. Let's not do that. All right. I'll also say, isn't it funny how um, when people get praised, we always think that we deserve some of that? Isn't that funny? If someone gets a compliment, I think some should be coming my way too. It's weird. But everybody gets their turn to be complimented, hopefully. Hopefully you all get a chance to be encouraged by other people. And if it's not your turn, it's okay. It's okay. All right.
Let's read 10 through 16. Here's where it really, here's where it gets real. 10 through 16. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. He was prophesying, some of your translations say raving, in his house while David was playing the harp as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it saying, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David and had left Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success because the Lord was with him. I'll read that one more time. Because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. We'll pause. David was brought into Saul to play the harp. The harp is a symbol of peace, tranquility, rest for the soul. We have music therapy today that involves the harp, right? There's something calming about it. And, and when this evil spirit, which by the way, we're not given a lot of background on how this whole evil spirit thing came about. We only know it's an evil spirit and God sent it. What's going on there? Are, are we talking about a good spirit that's troubling Saul? But, you know, he's doing, he's doing hurtful things to Saul. Is that why he's called evil or is he evil because he's like a demon? And God's saying, I need a demon to do this, you know, and, and, and the demon says, I'll go. We're not given any of that background. We're, we're just told there's a spirit and he's troubling Saul and, and God is behind it. That's all you're told. I'm leaving it there. Saul's troubled. And when David would play the harp, normally Saul would come out of his funk. You know, he'd come out of that. And he wouldn't be so edgy angry, tormented. David would play the harp. I remember uh, I used to do youth group trips and I would go on winter retreats. And uh, I remember doing a junior high retreat, you know, and you're out there and you're, you're playing uh, broom ball, which is not, a, not an old guy's game. That's a young guy's game, by the way. I mean, I remember I'd be out there and it's like, I know, I know I'm playing this game and, and tomorrow morning every muscle in my body is going to hurt. I know that. And yet I'm still out there. And when they ask me to play goalie, I'm the idiot that gets on my knees and says, I'll play goalie. Yeah, my knees could take it. Um, and, then, and then after all the broom ball is over, you're, you're kind of dreading the next day again because you know you're going to hurt. But you had a lot of fun anyway. And you probably knocked a few kids in the snow, so it was worth it. And... Uh, you go to your cabin in, at, at night and, and you smell the smell of feet. And I always thought, you know, do parents need more preaching on teaching their kids hygiene? I've always kind of wondered that. Because some guys would take off their shoes and I'm like, it's only been one day of, of hanging out here and it's the worst smell I've ever smelled in my life. Like, what, what's going on here? What's going on with your feet? And why did your parents let you come here? I, I don't know. I don't know. You're a messenger to torment me. I think that's what it is. So you, you go through a sleepless night with loud kids, smelly kids, 
next day, you know, you get up and you're packing up, you're going home. And, and, and I remember always Monday morning would come by and that would be like, as good as the weekend is, and I'll tell you, God did a lot of amazing things. That's why I kept doing retreats. God would always do amazing things on those weekends. But morning, Monday morning would come and I would go to my office and I would turn on my favorite classical music. Now, I'm kind of a rock guy. I, li- I like rock and roll music most of the time. You know, I, I even studied rock music. It's awesome. It gets me, it gets me like, fired up. But Monday morning after a retreat, and I'm playing, uh, like, Claire de Lune by Claude Debussy. You know what I mean? Who loves him, right? I mean, isn't he amazing? And, and you listen to him after a hard retreat, and it's like, all is well in my soul. You know? All is well. My body hurts, but my soul is well. Um, and, and David played the harp, and it soothed Saul's soul. Until this time when jealousy was raging so hot, or maybe the spirit that came on him was so strong. I think it's probably a combination of the two. And he takes his spear, and he hurls it at David, not once, but twice. He wants to kill him, wants to pin him to the wall, wants to hurt him. He's so overtaken by jealousy and whatever the Spirit is doing. Now, my question for you is, will you carry the spear or the harp? What will it be in your life? Will you be a person of peace? Or will you let the emotions that well up in you control you? If they do control, you're going to end up hurting people. You will end up throwing the spear of your words. You will do something that hurts other people when you let jealousy take control. What's the cure here? And this is like the one where I feel like if you hear anything I say this morning, like this is it. I can say this is what I hope you walk out with. The cure for jealousy, I think ultimately, is heaven. You take your jealousy to the God who assigns all gifts and blessings. Who made David successful? God did. I mean, that's pretty clear in the text. God, I read it twice for emphasis. God made David successful. Okay? Who should Saul be angry at then? Not David. His real beef is with God who blessed David. And that's what you ought to do with your jealousy, ultimately. How many teenagers do we have in the room today? Are people part of the youth ministry? Do we have youth ministry people here? Can I get a few volunteers from the youth ministry to come up? I have a gift for you. It's a gift. Can I get some volunteers, youth ministry? Gracie, you know you want to. Come on, come on. Come up, come up. Kiama, come on up. Haley, come on up, come on up. Is that three? I don't get more than three, did I? Okay, come on up, come on up. I'll have you stand right here, okay, right there, and face out. There we go, there we go. I have a gift for you. Okay. There you go. There you go. Okay, now, here's what we're going to do. I'm not standing back because they're going to explode or anything. Don't worry. (laughs) Derek, would you open your gift? 
apple. Very nice. Kiama, would you open your gift? A caramel apple. That's even better. That's even better. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. <laughs> Haley, would you open your gift? <clears throat> oh, man. An Apple iTunes gift card. $15. Nice. Do you have iTunes account? Good. Awesome. That's good. This is good. Thank you. You can have a seat. That's it. That's it. Awesome. Now, all three of them received Apple. He said he didn't like caramel apples. Okay, that's good. That's good. Now, you might say, but that's not fair. You should have given all of them an Apple iTunes gift card for $15. You should have done that for everybody. Because one of them got it and it seemed very random. Or maybe, Pastor, you picked. You knew who was going to get the really good card. And that's not fair. How could you do that? You must not love your son as much. I should have given it to Derek, then everyone would have thought it was favoritism. That's what I should have done. That's what I should have done. Um, But I'm not going to give them all Apple gift cards. I'm not. There's no gift card after the service either. I mean, there's only one, and, and, and Haley got it. And this is what happens to us. Other people are more talented than you. I'm sorry. It happens. It's just the way it is. And God distributes the gifts. I'm sorry that you're not as good-looking as the person next to you in the pew. I'm sorry. I remember. I remember I was candidating for, uh, for a youth ministry position, and I used one of my youth leaders from my high school years. His name was uh, Jim. And Jim, uh, he was like an elder in the church, and he was a youth leader, an older guy, awesome guy. And... Uh, I had also interned at my home church, so he kind of knew me as an intern as well. And so I used him as a reference, and he, he took me aside one day, and he's like, Niall, I talked to some churches about you. He's like, I want, I want to tell you I told them very good things, very good things about you. I, I, I told them, you know, he's no Brad Pitt, but he loves serving the Lord. <laughs> and you know what? To my 22-year-old ears, I thought he was telling the truth. I thought he was telling the truth. Because I thought, of course, you know, someone would make a joke about my looks. Interesting. Interesting. Nowadays, I'm old enough and mature and know that he just wanted to rib me a little bit, you know, and give it to me. I should have said... You don't look so hot yourself, but, you know, maybe if he hears this, he'll get a laugh out of that. Um, but, um, and so I kind of carried that a little bit, whatever, whatever that was. I already looked in the mirror and I saw whatever I saw. God made some people more attractive than others. Sorry. He made some people talented in certain ways that you're not talented. He gave some people intelligence. Other people he just gave common sense. I'm always thankful that Christy got a a load of common sense. It's kept me out of a lot of trouble. 
I have no musical ability. She got it all. That, that's just the way it goes. And even if you talk about the intelligence scale, the musical scale, or whatever scale you want to put out there, strength, whatever, there's always someone above you. You might as well take your jealousy to the Lord who gave those people their abilities. Not everybody can be an NFL quarterback. You've got to have the arm, you've got to have the, the, the brains, the intelligence to play that position. That's an important role. That's why they get paid the most. Only certain guys can do it. <clears throat> Will you take your jealousy to the Lord? And if you don't like the fact that that person's better looking than you and more talented than you, would you have a conversation with your creator about that? Don't take it out on them. Even if they're prideful about it, don't take it out on them. All right. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good gift you have comes from the Father. Maybe you ought to focus on those. Let's keep going. We'll read a, a little lengthier section here, 17 through 30. And this will be the last point we'll make today. Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter Merib. By the way, when David killed Goliath, he was promised a daughter. He was promised a daughter of Saul. That was part of the deal. You know, it was like, David says, what will be done for the man that kills Goliath? And they said, oh, you'll, you'll get all these things and you'll get to marry a daughter of Saul. You know, and he's like, well, good, I'll do that. Um, here's my older daughter, Merib. I will give her to, her to you in marriage. Only serve me bravely and fight the battles of the Lord. For Saul said to himself, I will not raise a hand against him. Let the Philistines do that. But David said to Saul, Who am I and what is my family or my father's clan in Israel that I should become the king's son-in-law? So when the time came for Merib, Saul's daughter, to be given to David, she was given in marriage to Adriel of Meholah. Who knows that guy? Now Saul's daughter Michael was in love with David. And when they told Saul about it, he was pleased. I will give her to him, he thought, so that she may be a snare to him and so that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. So Saul said to David, Now you have a second opportunity to become my son-in-law, you lucky guy. Then Saul ordered his attendants, Speak to David privately and say, Look, the king's pleased with you. His attendants all like you. Now become his son-in-law. They repeated these words to David, but David said, Do you think it's a small matter to become the king's son-in-law? I'm only a poor man and little known. When Saul's servants told him what David had said, Saul replied, Say to David, the king wants no price for the bride other than a hundred Philistine foreskins to take revenge on his enemies. Saul's plan was to have David fall by the hands of the Philistines. When the attendants told David these things, he was pleased to become the king's son-in-law. So before the allotted time elapsed, David and his men went out and killed 200 Philistines. He brought their foreskins and presented the full number to the king so that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him his daughter Michael in marriage. When Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter Michael loved David, whoops, Saul became still more afraid of him and he remained his enemy the rest of his days. The Philistine commanders continued to go out to battle as, they off, as often as they did. David met with more success than the rest of Saul's officers and his name became well known. Here's what's going on here. 
You marry my daughter, you better pay the dowry. You know, pay the father. You better have some money and some wealth. And David said, I'm a poor guy. I'm not well known. After Goliath, maybe that was changing. But you see humility in David. You see humility there. In fact, I've heard some well-known pastors say that David ultimately fought Goliath because he wanted to marry the king's daughter. You know, when he said, what shall be done for the man that kills the giant? You know, and they said, oh, you get to marry, you know, and and that he was really driven by selfishness. But I don't really see that in chapter 18. And so I, I disagree there. I mean, maybe there was some selfish ambition at the beginning of it. But by the end of it, David was a humble man here. And he said, I, I don't deserve to be part of the king's family. And so he earned it by killing 200 Philistines. And Saul gave his daughter to David. Now, Here's the last thing. Cure for jealousy. The last cure is humility. Do not seek or desire another's failure or your own exaltation. Don't do it. Don't seek someone else's failure or your own exaltation. If you start hearing about the bad times someone else is going through, guard your heart from that. If you start to smile when you hear how bad life is for somebody, stop. Stop. Pray. Don't let your heart go there. That just is opening a door to a lot of bad things when you get a thrill out of that. Don't seek your own exaltation. Uh, Philippians 2 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. That could be a life verse for you, you know? You will never get to the end of considering other people better than yourself. You'll always meet new people. There'll always be new faces. There'll always be the old faces, and you've got to consider them better than you. That's a lifetime. Or consider this one. First uh, Peter 5, 6, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Humble yourself, that God may lift you up in due time. I think the picture here is, if you don't try to take the top spot, God will lift you up into that spot. That's not like a guarantee. It's not like you say, well, I want to be president of the company, so I'm going to act humble, and he's just going to get, you know. That's not, it's not promising that A for B sort of thing, but it's saying, if you humble yourself, let God lift you up. Let him exalt you. Let him praise you. Let him orchestrate things in your life that bring you to a higher place. Don't you seek the higher place. Let God do that for you. And that will fight the jealousy. Because if you spend your life trying to advance yourself, you have to nurture jealousy to get to the top spot. That's the way to the top. I've got to be better than you. I've got to be better than you. Let God advance you. I, sometimes you've got to step into positions where you can be advanced. I understand that. If you're in line for a raise, I'm not saying you stay outside your boss's office. You know, I don't deserve it. You know, I'm not, not saying that. I'm just saying... It's kind of like Peter and Jesus. Peter talking to Jesus. Jesus, you're not going to get crucified. No, we're not, we're not doing that. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Jesus is saying, I'm going to advance the kingdom by dying. And Peter says, no, you're not. There's something satanic about our drive for a higher status. Let's just admit that. I'll admit that uh, when I was in high school, I remember this guy that was on the worship team and he was going on missions trips and he was like Mr. Spiritual, one of those guys. 
And uh, I remember I was at summer camp with him. Drove me crazy, this guy. I remember he... I remember we were having a shaving cream fight outside the cabin, and Mr. Spiritual was inside taking a shower. He didn't want to let the cabin smell his feet, I guess. <laughs> Mr. Spiritual. He did a shower. He came out here. His hair was combed. He was like ready for bed. He was like perfect, and we were covered in shaving cream. Guess what I did? Hey, guys! Look who's not creamed yet, you know, and they're all come over and they all just got a messy and just poured it on. That night he came up behind me and he was like, bam, he kicked me from behind. We, we almost went to blows. We were that close, you know. The leader in the cabin, yes, bam, you know. Um, but what a thrill I got seeing him get so messed up after his shower. What a thrill. Those are the places where you need to guard your heart. Don't let people's misfortune thrill you. Worship team, would you come up? Let's pray and we'll sing a closing song. Father, I just thank you that you were so good to us again and, and that you, you've given us gifts. I pray that we would get that. Thank you for the gifts you've given us. I pray that we'd play to our strengths. Do the things you've called us to do and not the things you've called someone else to do. Protect our eyes from being jealous. Protect our mouths from saying things against people. Protect our hearts. Would you help us, please? In Jesus' name, amen.